And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. From week four on to week five, it's the About Them Cowboys podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome back in. I'm Kent Producing and joined by three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. From the Athletic, we've got Saad Yusuf. He's your stars and Cowboys writer. We've got John Mishota. He's your Cowboys writer. And from the freak, 97-1, the mornings. Check him out on your uh, as you're driving to work doing your morning routine. It's Kevin KT Turner, your host. Hey, KT. Hi, Kent. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's Rams week, which means you can throw all, all the, everything out the window and really, you know, we got to start looking at the nuts and bolts of this thing. And I encourage every listener to go watch the Rams video from 1985 or 1986, uh, Just Ram It. A great mm, song classic. that the Rams did. That'll get you fired up for the game. Um John, I guess we'll start with the obvious. You know what? Curveball. Curveball. Wait for the Dak stuff, guys. What are we going to do about this long snapper situation? Man, I have not been able to sleep trying to figure it out, KT. I've been trying to get to the bottom of it. And Jake McQuaid out for the season. So they have signed two long snappers, Tucker Addington and Matt Overton, who I'm sure everyone listening is familiar with their work. Uh, they've been both signed to the practice squad, so one of those gentlemen will be the long snapper on Sunday. So, you know, there could be a little, you know, adjustment period there. I don't think it will be that significant, but uh, they're working through that right now. I would say that that probably was on the my top of my list of things that I was concerned about in practice today, but yeah. It was the top of mine. You say that right now, but then remember the Bengals in week one and, you know, long snapper was probably moved up to a first round pick for them in the 2023 draft during that game. So you never know. Well, I I guess my question, though, and I swear we're not going to spend much time on this. Are you of the philosophy that you can find any of those guys pretty much anywhere? Um, because I can tell you. As a guy who might pay attention to another NFC contender that flamed out in the playoffs last year, special teams does matter, and not having a long snapper throwing off the whole operation does kind of change things a little bit and to the point of maybe getting you beat. Like, it's, I mean, we did have a kick-kick block last week as well. I uh, just, just throwing it out there. Are you I, for- that you can get those guys off the street anywhere, though? Um, I don't know if you can just get anybody off the street. The other, the other, the part that probably is the biggest concern for me is that Brett Maher's in a really good spot. And so you get in a rhythm and you're used to the same snapper, you're used to the same holder. And because he is playing so well, you would rather not mess with that. I think that's probably my biggest concern over the fact of, can he get accurate snaps back to Brian Anger on punts. You know, it's the, it's going to be those field goal tries in big moments. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's something to watch for sure. 
Yeah, and I think I, I think real quick on that, like you said, not spending too much time on it, but in all seriousness, no, go long like, on this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we we we've been spoiled with LP Latisu around here. Okay, like this yeah. is a uh, this is new territory for Cowboys fans, but um, but no, but like in seriousness, though, remember some of these basic operational stuff. Like you really don't notice it until it's not there anymore. Remember, like high like snapping the ball from the shotgun i'm talking just regular snapping that's like high school level stuff but do you remember what happened when travis frederick and joe looney were gone and then and then you know we're talking about dak getting snaps up here and and uh, all of a sudden the center position not only for the blocking but for how quickly or how high or low the snap was coming back became a topic of conversation so um not gonna totally dismiss it i don't think you can get just anybody off the street and i do think that even beyond just you know brett maher's rhythm i do think the effectiveness of how quickly you get it back there uh there is something to it it's just i think more people can do it uh or it's easily more replaceable than your starting quarterback for example um back to dak Finally, finally, the story that really matters. Um, feels pretty clear, like, not going. It's going to be another Cooper Rush game. Or do you think we're we're ramping up for Philadelphia week? Or do you feel any different about where we are after some of the comments this week? I think they're hopeful for Philadelphia right now. I don't see any way that he would play against the Rams, even though Mike McCarthy probably isn't going to say at the podium that he's ruling him yeah. out. But it, it was just interesting today that any of you fo- that follow me on Twitter know that I've posted quite a few pictures over the last season or two of when the quarterbacks run out and they usually run out of the same door. And right when they were getting ready to run out, Dak came out of this side door with Mike McCarthy and you're just kind of like, this is random. And so, but he went over to right where he was going to get on the resistance cords. And then he made some jokes about how many pictures everybody was taking of him. Cause it is literally right in front of where the reporters are at. I'm sure he loves that they do that work over there and not on the opposite end of the field, but yeah, Mike McCarthy said it the other day. Dak's going to go when he can go through a full week of practice and do everything. He's clearly not there yet. McCarthy said that he got a good report yesterday. Dak met with the doctor, said there was a good report, but still the strength isn't there. They're just not confident in, and he's probably not confident either in the fact that he's to make, you know, 30, 40 NFL throws throughout an entire game. He's not even doing that in practice yet. They start practice with this QB school thing that, Generally, they do it inside, and then after about 20 minutes of practice, the quarterbacks join the rest of the team. It's kind of their way of warming up and getting ready for uh, that day's practice. Dak's not even doing that yet. That will be the next step. And so for that, they're hopeful that he can be able to return next week, but that's still no guarantee either. It's not just a – he's got to be able to throw the ball. You know, there's it's, it's different when it was a week ago and it was Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz. They had to feel – confident in their injuries to go and they were game time decisions and before the game they both didn't feel that they were you know in the right spot to be able to go that that's not the thing with Dak Dak is the strength in the hand you know he's at the Rangers game yesterday you see he's got that brace on his, on his hand he you know he's at practice he's got the brace on his hand it's clearly not all the way back and we really shouldn't have thought that was going to happen bones take four to six weeks to heal just because He's not put on IR and Jerry's hopefully can come back before then. That doesn't mean that that, you know, you take that over science. So I'm just saying this in the sense of I don't think anyone should think that Dak had a setback or the fact that he's behind schedule or something. It was always going to be. Honestly, I thought when it originally happened that even Philadelphia was going to be kind of a pipe dream. So let's just see where it goes. But I don't see any way that he's playing this week. Uh, I expected, again, be Cooper Rush with Will Gers as backup. Yeah, and I think I think four like you know six to eight weeks was the original thing, and now it's four to six weeks, and Philadelphia would be at five weeks, um, but it would be five weeks in terms of game. But like you know, it'd be four weeks, and then he'd be practicing all next week. I think you know that you kind of factor all that in, and like John said, he's right on schedule. Um, I, I think you know that's not only a good thing, but I I, I like. I, you know, before we even started talking today, I was just imagining, or I was watching, you know, the McCarthy press conference. And I'm like, man, what if, what if the Cowboys were zero and four right now, or one and three, and like, and you know, Dak is at least out there, like on the practice field. I have no idea what the conversation would be like. I still think he wouldn't be playing this week for sure. Um, but it's just, it's just crazy that like now he's 
not going to be playing this week for sure, pretty much. Uh, not officially, but he's not going to be playing, and no one's really panicked about that. And when he does play, he's going to have to be in the gun. He's not going to be under center as much. That's going to impact their running game. And then here's the other thing. Yeah, quarterbacks don't always break their thumb or, or bones in their hand, in their throwing hand, but their hands are always getting hit. So just the, the idea, like, so I anticipate seeing when he is ready to return, it's not going to be the exact same game plan that you normally see in that first game that he's back. And so because of that, I also think that you, you have to, you know, err on the side of caution until he's going to have to look really good in practice, I feel like, before you can put him out there in a game even with a game plan that's not going to be the same game plan that you would normally have out there for him. Yeah, an original discourse, you know, which was reactionary before knowing all the medical information, but original discourse was November, was bye week, you know, and, and looking more like that, or maybe uh, I think it was maybe thinking the Green Bay game, like in middle of November. Um, so, like, to look where you're at, and I think the thing that I think Cowboys fans – need to keep in perspective is your backup quarterbacks kind of already done the job. Like no matter how this goes the next two weeks at three and oh, that's all you could ask for from a backup quarterback in this league. So, I mean, I've, I feel like there's kind of no panic. You're kind of sitting on house money a little bit. Now it does, it does uh, suck in a way that Philadelphia is four and oh, and you know, you're, you're nipping at their heels and that type of thing. But you know, Philadelphia is going to lose games. They're going to start losing games. They're, they're not a 17 and O team, you know? Um, so you've got, you're, you're in good shape here uh, no matter what. And I'll say it like you, you're going to catch the Rams at a time where they look very vulnerable right now. I mean, through four weeks, that is not an impressive Rams team. They're, Likely going to be a playoff team. They're likely going to be dangerous down the line. But right now, if you were going to say Cooper Rush and the Cowboys have a chance, well, it's it's more so than, than you would have ever thought because the Rams do look shaky at the foundation right now. And not only do they look shaky, but you want to play the Rams right now because the way this roster is built, you're out of your mind if you think that they're not going to make some move during the season to improve that roster somehow, some way. They're going to go out and make a move to get someone. If it's another receiver, offensive lineman, help on the defense, this is not a roster and this is not a constructed team that's going to sit back and just wait. Uh, they're in a very, very win-now mode. And when I say that, I mean in the next couple of years. So I don't see them being like, well, we're just not the team we thought we were from last year. We won one Super Bowl, so we're done. That's it. I mean, this is a team that... You know, it's missing Von Miller and and, and um, Odell Beckham, uh, guys that they added last year during the season. Obviously, Andrew Whitworth isn't isn't no longer in the NFL, so they lost some key pieces off that team last year. And I find it very hard to believe that they're not going to go out there and try and make some moves. I think the the biggest thing for me is the offensive. Their offensive line is terrible, Matthew, yeah. so that leads to Matthew Stafford isn't playing well at all. Uh, and really, the thing that's hurt them the most in the passing game is that. Stafford and Allen Robinson haven't been on the same page at all. It was that was looked at as supposed to be a pretty big offseason acquisition, and it just hasn't been there. Now, from the Cooper Cup side, he's putting up big numbers every week, and it's not exactly leading to some dominance. So when I look at the Rams, I'm like, let Cooper up. I mean, let Cooper Cup go off. That's and then just you know let him get his. And as long as you don't let him get too out of control, if you as long as you you stop Henderson and Acres, and you don't let that the running game go. I think that they'll be fine in getting pressure on, on Stafford because this is another week of a bad offensive line and he's even less mobile than the quarterbacks you faced before this game. It's very strange because we knew like Robert Woods was like very important to what they were doing and he goes out with the ACL and they just almost like seamlessly replaced him with Odell Beckham. So it's kind of like it was very easy and then you know Van Jefferson has been hurt so he hasn't been there to help out. I'm with you, dude. The thing that would break my back on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, but like the thing that I, that I can't have happen to me is I can't get beat by stinking Ben Skronek or uh, I hope I said his name right. Like that's the thing that would Skronik. really. Yeah, Skronik. Yes. See, I mean, the guys that have too many K's in their last name and his long name is just terrible. I did the same thing with Farniak for a while. Um, so I, just, that's, that's the thing I'm worried about. I'm not worried in, in the least about Cooper Cup. Like Cooper Cup's going to get his, we know that they remind me of the Rams of two years ago so far with shaky offensive line play. And obviously the Matt Stafford thing's a pretty big difference maker, right? But like 
That team was like dangerous. Jared Goff was okay, but he was getting hit a lot and things like that. And that's how happened a little bit too with the offensive line being in shambles. So like, Hey, there's a chance to go get him. And as we've mentioned many times before, I have situations now this year for the first time in my Cowboys memory that you can like stand up for guys who aren't, you know, uh, like, like athletic guys like Micah Parsons and Anthony Barr's rushing the passer and Sam Williams, not your just traditional, we're going to run a tank at you and Dorrance Armstrong and Osa and, and Tristan Hill. Like it's, it's a little different. And I feel like this Cowboys defense is getting, they are getting all the pub and all the love that they should be four games in the NFL without giving 20, without giving up 20 points is ridiculous. No matter how trash the giants and commanders are like, this is just stupid. And then, when we did our podcast on Sunday night after the game, and you're kind of looking ahead just a little bit, this guy has no way they got to keep that going against the Rams. And then you see what the Rams did on Monday night, and you go, oh, my God, they've got a really good chance to make it five in a row of not giving up 20 points. And that, you know, Cooper Rush can get you 20 points, it feels like, with this offense. So I feel way better about the game than I did, you know, uh, before the Rams uh, looked like trash on Monday night against the 49ers. Yeah, but Aaron Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are certainly going to make it difficult for him to get twenty points. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like that what you just what you just described with the Cowboys and then Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs kind of being the two kind of stalwarts there. I think this is kind of where you know you kind of meet your match when it comes to when it comes to that front side backside defensive uh, dynamic and Aaron Donald. Man, it wasn't last game, but it was the week before I think that I was watching and. That dude is just still so ridiculous. Like what he still does. Um, I know he was like contemplating retirement. Like that dude is playing like he's a freaking 10 time defensive player of the year type player. Like he's, he's still absolutely insane. And and I understand that. And that's, and that's, that's fine. I, I do feel like this is a game where, you know, the Cowboys, obviously their running game was not great against Washington. You know, uh, they couldn't get Tony Pollard going. They're going to need that. They're going to need that explosive play somehow. And that's, you know, what's strange is about all this stuff. CeeDee Lamb has started to break out. And then you go to Noah Brown, and Noah Brown's numbers are comparable to Mari Cooper's. That's the new that's the new Dak Cooper rush is uh, Noah Brown to Amari Cooper. <laughs> right? Like, it's kind of crazy, but that's kind of where we're at right now on offense with them. Like, CeeDee Lamb's going to do well. Uh, is Dalton Schultz going to play? Where are we at on Dalton Schultz here? Yeah, I mean, he played almost all of last game. It just he was yeah. pretty limited in in what he was, you know, able to do on the field. He didn't make the you know many impactful plays in the passing game. So I think that's why maybe he didn't stand out as much. But uh, today, yeah, absolutely full go in practice. So that's obviously a good sign. He should be he should be ready to roll. J. Ron Curse is back out there, full full go. So you're expected to have all three of your top safeties. And in talking to Jaron in the locker room today, he's certainly pumped about that. He thinks that there's no question with all of them healthy, they have the best safety group in the entire NFL, which is just wild to even think about considering how bad the safety group has been in Dallas for a long period of time. So the only did not practices is Jordan Lewis didn't go with the groin injury. Jake Ferguson didn't go with a knee injury. And Dak Prescott with the right thumb. Donovan Wilson was limited, but he's expected to play. And then Quentin Bohanna with his neck shoulder was limited, but I think he's pretty much expected to play. Noah Brown was a full go. Malik Hooker, full go. And Connor McGovern was a full go. So uh, they're in pretty good shape. That's why when I, you know, we're talking about the long snapper at the top of the show, would you like to have your same long snapper for all 17 games in the playoffs? Of course you would. But if you're talking about losing your long snapper compared to some of the positions and key players these other teams are losing, if you just are on Twitter like a no-life loser like myself, uh, you know that it could be a lot worse. Well, and one of those teams that's losing players has also been the Cowboys at quarterback. It's just, you know, they have the, uh, they, they've been able to recover from that. It's kind of crazy that, like, you know, when you do lose something like that, like a starting quarterback, and then, um, and then, and then, you know, you're able to maintain your ground still. It just, it changes the entire perception because, John, you're right, like, Teams around the NFL are losing a lot of significant players, but you know the Cowboys didn't just lose their long snapper; they lost their, their 
top 10 caliber quarterback. And, and here we are still, um, you know, still going along. So the thing that's helped them in that category is that the injury wasn't as significant as it could have been. And Washington and New York are trash. And I even think the rest of the schedule is no. that too strong, KT? The way you looked, I no, thought like that was too strong. Uh, you look at the, the rest of your schedule. I just don't think the schedule is anywhere near as difficult as it was. Uh, let's say when the schedules came out, or even and I go back to training camp. So uh, that that's obviously helped them be able to right the ship. But of course, they're not doing it without Cooper Rush playing at, at a good level. I mean, I think they would be. They'd probably have like one win. Uh, in normal circumstances. So, you know, you're able to maybe steal this game or, or, or beat Philadelphia. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there at, you know, four and two, man, they would have to be thrilled with that. Well, you, and you get the lions and the bears after Philadelphia. Right. So, you know, let's just, let's carve it into fours here. So you're three and one, you got through it. You stockpiled your wins. If I had to guess um, you guys right now, where do you see them going in the next three games? I know it's hard to know without Dak, but, uh, if you're three and one, and you're six and two after the bye. That's pretty awesome, <laughs> given yeah. what where we were three weeks ago. Is and that I the think Vegas it's odds realistic. three and one? I think it's completely realistic that they that they do that. Now, uh, you know the NFL is a funny business, and there's plenty of you know we talk so all the we just mentioned all these negatives about the Rams and how they're much more beatable than we thought. Well, Vegas still has them like five and a half point favorite, six point favorite. There's obviously a reason for that. And, uh, and, and Philadelphia is going to be tough. And I don't know. I don't think very much of the bears or the lions, but you never know if one of them just has a, one of their best games of the season. I mean, the lions can obviously score points. They can't stop anybody. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. And, and I don't think anybody would have thought that after obviously Jerry comes out of the locker room at the end of, week one and is about as beaten down as I've ever seen him after one game into the season talking about how not only was the performance awful, but they're going to be without their starting quarterback for uh, uh, an extended period of time. Yeah. I mean, KT, to be honest with you, like maybe, maybe I'm crazy, but tell me where on the schedule left for the Cowboys. There's a more, I guess, exciting three game stretch than these next three games because you have the Rams, then you have the Eagles and then you have the Lions, which look, I, I understand the Lions history and what they are and all that stuff. But when you're going, when when your team identity is defense and the other team's identity is offense, you're going best on best like that could still be a fun, good game. But other than that, like that's probably I mean, you know, you play the Packers and Vikings in a few in a, in a month back to back. But that's surrounded by Bears and Giants like these next three games are pro- is probably the most exciting three-game stretch left in the regular season for the Cowboys. I think they're most... I wrote a piece today. We all had to do... Uh, every beat writer had to do kind of a look at where their team's at after four games. And one of the questions was most difficult stretch. And I said it was the very end of the season just because they go to Jacksonville and Jacksonville looks a lot better than we thought that they were going to be. Then they play the Eagles at home. The Eagles clearly look like one of the best teams in the NFL. Then they go at Tennessee, which Tennessee should at least be solid. And again, it's on the road. And then they finish at Washington. So that game might not mean much. But the fact that those that they're playing three out of their four on the road, you know, end of the season, I don't think it's going to be very cold in Jacksonville or Tennessee. But you should be able to navigate it. But it, it, it's not going to be the easiest of stretches, I don't think. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the AFC South gauntlet, though. You know, that's uh, I was like, that's when the schedule came out. Even I was like, God, three in the AFC South, and he, Indianapolis still hasn't looked like close to what we thought they would be. But you know, they've got a real good chance. And, and Monday night was another sign, and there's been many of these, but just another sign of, well, the NFC's there, and. That's part of the frustrating thing Cowboys fans were feeling when the Joneses are telling you that we like our guys and, uh, you know, their reasoning that I think a lot of people thought was flawed. But there's not really anything you can say as of right now. Like, they kind of look right on everything, whether it was a fluke or not. They look right. And I think the big thing that's allowed them to be right on that is nailing Tyler Smith. You know, you get that pick, and at the time you didn't know it was going to happen with Tyron. 
But, you know, if that doesn't work out, then maybe things start collapsing all around you. And the fact that Tyler Smith has been who he is, is maybe as important a story as anybody on the entire Cowboys team. Would you agree with that? Him, Maher playing the way he has. Those are two of my biggest surprises. Cooper Rush is obviously obviously in the mix. Noah Brown is in the mix. Uh, You know... (laughs) I know he he showed signs in the past of of some upside and that, but really everything Donovan Wilson's done has been impressive to me. And then so you mix that in with with Micah and Tank and what they do. You know, J. Ron Curse is coming back. You know, Trayvon Diggs. Like the defense is just so weird to completely buy into it and go, man, this looks like one of the NFL's best defenses just because we haven't seen it around here in a long time. But, you know, Mike McCarthy called it the thermostat of the team earlier in the week because you know, they kind of regulate the, you know, the temperature of, of the way the team is. And that means that he believes that they can keep him them in a lot of games and that should be the case. And so now all of a sudden, here you go, you got this defense that it, it just keeps improving and it's got elite qualities to it. And then now all of a sudden you're getting Dak back and Michael Gallup's back. And, you know, the offensive line looks a lot better than we thought it was going to be. So if you're able to keep Tony Pollard and Zeke healthy, I don't think they're going to, their running game is going to be, you know, just all oh, the running game's back to what it was at 14 and 16, but it can get respectable enough if those two guys can stay healthy. And all of a sudden you're looking at a team that, you know, who, I mean, I didn't look at them as having some, you know, huge advantage at, at punt returner. And then all of a sudden they add Turpin, you know, another guy that nobody was really expecting. So no, they've made a lot of moves that they're paying off up to this point, but you know, let's be honest, is it, it's, it's not going to matter unless it pays off in January. Yeah, and but KT, I I think you I think it's a good point about you know Tyler Smith, and I don't think it's even getting like super like it's not getting too cute. Like first of all, in terms of like you know your your evaluation of that, like obviously Cooper Rush as a quarterback has been the big like he's been a really big pleasant surprise, and that's the big thing. But when you look at Tyler Smith, not just the way he played, but now it's what he affords the offensive line in terms of the depth. Um, in terms of what you can do with Jason Peters, like again, now you can play Peters at guard, um, and and you had question marks at guard. I think that's a big thing. Um, I, I think the flexibility that they have on the left side of the offensive line is really big for for those reasons as well. And I think Tyler Smith is at the core of that. And remember, Tyron Smith is not really supposed to be out for the season, at least by what we know. So when he comes back, like now you have even more flexibility and depth. Um, I will say though, as well as Tyler Smith has been playing, when Zach Martin went down, what was it, last game or the game before, whatever it was, like yeah, last game. when he went, yeah, when he went down for a second, it's still like how well Tyler Smith is playing and all that stuff went out the window because you're like, dude, like I, you know, you think you have depth, but then you cannot lose that guy. You just absolutely can't. One of the craziest things, or I shouldn't say it was the most surprising thing of the injury report today was that his name wasn't even on it. I thought for sure it would at least say ankle, limited, whatever, and he wasn't on it at all. And he only ended up missing two plays in that game, but the way he kind of needed help back onto his feet, I was like, mm, this is probably going to be maybe uh, maybe put next week in jeopardy, but it, that doesn't appear to be the case at all. Another a story, and this won't affect anything on the field uh, too soon, but the Damone Clark story is is very a little shocking too. Like we kind of thought this was going to be a redshirt year, and it looks like he's actually getting a little closer to being able to participate. How how shocked are you that that's happening? Because I I think everyone rolled their eyes again and said Jerry's an idiot and being way too optimistic. And it's like actually maybe not. Like maybe he's closer than they thought. Yeah, very surprised. He was out there today. It's the first time we've seen him participate in a in a full practice, having his helmet on. And he's out there going through drills. So that was obviously a huge step in, in, in the right direction for him. But as Mike McCarthy pointed out this morning, it it is one of those things where he hasn't done anything football-wise. He's just been recovering and rehabbing from that surgery. So it's going to take him some time to get into the football-type shape and get caught up to what the rest of the team is doing. And then once he does that, where does he fit in immediately? I would think special teams is an obvious spot, but maybe, maybe he can help out at, at, at a linebacker spot, especially if, if there's an injury there, maybe he's the one that steps in and gives them some depth there, but very surprised that he was able to make it back this quick. I don't anticipate him doing anything in any of the games in the next few weeks, but this could be a guy that 
he has an impact on the team in maybe late November, December. And and that's not something I expect. I thought just like most of the NFL teams going into the draft, the talk was that, hey, this is probably going to be a redshirt year for him. And uh, it doesn't appear to be the case. So, yeah, it was definitely good to see him out there today. You know, with Anthony Barr playing uh, as much as he has in late and Randy Resch staying healthy too so far, and he's being you know playing a little bit like you hadn't got uh, much of Jabril Cox either. Uh, staying on the theme of LSU linebackers, uh, shout out to Hellman. Um, you know, it's a, I know a lot of Cowboys fans like we're dreaming big things about Jabril Cox. I still think that's there, right? Like, it's just like once you get Anthony Barr, that is a more of a, a kind of an aggressive signing, even though you're not paying a lot of money, but it was a, a more of a short term, temporary, probably just go get him and bring him in here type of thing. And he's proven to be very good and it's proven worthy of the number of snaps he's been getting. I just feel like. Going into, we'll say training camp, there's a part of me that watches this roster and thinks they're trying to go young and and go with their drafted guys. And, you know, Anthony Barr's on a one-year deal. Leighton Vanderesh is on on a one-year deal. Their hope is probably, hey, we get through this year with them. And then all of a sudden, Damone Clark, Jabril Cox kind of step in those roles. We don't really know that right now. And, I think Leighton Vander has played pretty well. Anthony Barr's played well uh, at times. So you just kind of sit there and you're like, I don't know if they want to necessarily move on from both of those guys in the offseason, depending on what, you know, money that they're looking at and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, what Damone Clark does and Jabril Cox between now and at the end of the season will have a big say in that because this is a team that has shown you that they want to go with the guys that they draft and, and bring them along and draft and develop. So uh, I think that they have big plans for Cox and, and Clark going forward, but we have to see it on the field before they make that uh, decision. Because let's be honest, you have to feel more comfortable with Leighton Van Der Esch and, and Anthony Barr out there up, up to this point. I just, I haven't seen enough from Jabril Cox. I don't know if it's because of the knee injury that set him back or whatnot. Maybe there just hasn't been the opportunities for him, but you know, a lot of us thought that this year he was going to potentially st- step into a starting role. Just the depth on defense is incredible up and yeah. down the board. I mean, uh, whatever, anyone says about the, uh, you know, the front office, I think we say a lot of good things too about some of their draft picks and things like that, but what they've done at all three levels defensively from a depth standpoint is incredible. I know Kent sent something, uh, sent something over earlier. Uh, according to next gen stats, they've got it safety. They've got Donovan Wilson is, is it the number two safety in the league? Uh, ranked, yeah, ranked the second safety behind Derwin James through the first month of the season, according to 93rd, next gen stats. 93rd percentile was he was ranked, uh, according to next gen stats. Yeah, he's been a beast, man. I mean, yeah. he makes plays. That's the thing about him when he's out there, if he's around the ball, whether it's making tackles, uh, you know, putting pressure on the quarterback, getting his hands on an interception, he just makes plays. He's just one of those guys that seems to be in the right spot and he's way he plays the game is super aggressive and, and he just seems very sound this year. And if he's going to play like that with the way Malik Hooker has played and J Ron curse, who came into this season as their two starters to get that from Donovan Wilson. And this is in a defense that likes to play three safeties quite a bit. And yeah, they're, they're in a great spot. And like I said earlier, that's, that's a position that just year after year after year, we talked about how bad it was, not just comparatively to previous Cowboy seasons, but, how bad it was compared to the rest of the NFL. It was arguably the worst safe, worst position in the NFL for them for a while there. And now it's, it's one of their strengths. Yeah. And I, I think one other thing on the front office, and this is just kind of out of left field a little bit. Um, shout out to John who, uh, who was at the ballpark yesterday watching watching Aaron Judge get 62, but uh, kind of out of left field here. But like when we talk about like, you know, um, how much cap space they they have like wasted or like haven't used or whatever, you know, like if the team is playing this well and John mentioned like the Rams being a team that, you know, they're going to make a move this year at some point, man, if the Cowboys get going and if they get good and if they can like get aggressive for some position of need near the trade deadline, they have the space to do it and they have the cap room to do it. Again, it, it might take giving up like a future draft pick or it would take giving up a future draft pick and things like that. But if you're someone who is looking at how you're playing right now and then also looking at the template of the Super Bowl champion, reigning Super Bowl champion, who, by the way, you're playing this week and the way that they've approached things, you have the cap space, 
you have the draft capital, you can you can go do some of these things if if need be by the trade deadline. If you're like, hey, we're right there with everything else, but now we need like if CD's number one receiver, Gallup is two, and you know your running game's going good, your offensive line is flowing, just go get something. You, I think that's kind of the cool thing with the front office. They could turn all this uh, on on its side where it's like you didn't use all that cap space, but now you can go do something. Man, no, no, there's there's no doubt about it, man. There's no doubt about it, and it's 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 been it's been pretty awesome. And they always liked Donovan Wilson too, right? Like it's a guy they liked, and when uh, Curse went down in Week One, pretty much overlooked for the most part. Definitely something that John reported on, and we all talked about very little in that post game pro- uh, 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 podcast after what had happened. Oh, and it makes sense. That's that's how it would go, but. Like we were thinking that was going to be pretty devastating for the defense. Um, it, although it could be like, man, as long as you got Michael Parsons, uh, you're not feeling too devastated by anything on the defense. Trayvon Diggs as well. Trayvon Diggs is still finding a way to get to the ball and big play after big play last week against Washington. It does seem like any concerns that people might've been having, if they're still there, any concerns you might have, I feel like are just like, not even worth being concerned over it because he makes up for it by his ability to get to the ball. So I think questions like, what's the potential of Trayvon Diggs? Is it, you still see Jalen Ramsey as the best cornerback in the league? Can he get to that level? How close is he to, to being that? I just think Jalen Ramsey is probably a little bit more complete corner. I mean, he'll come up and do things in the run game. He'll come up and do stuff at the line of scrimmage. So I would give him the edge, but in terms of playmaking ability and, uh, you know, snatching the ball out of the air and, and being a wide receiver on the defense. Yeah, the edge completely goes to Trayvon Diggs there. And this could be a huge game for him to get a lot of opportunities because Matthew Stafford will be throwing at him. Matthew Stafford does not care who's out there. He throws at whoever, and it costs him a lot. So Trayvon Diggs could have a huge game. And But, you know, so could Jerron Bland. I mean, the fact that he stepped in and played as well as he did with Jordan Lewis out there. I mean, there's certainly times in the past where one of your top corners or two get hurt and you're all of a sudden going to somebody you don't feel very confident. They feel very confident in Jerron Bland to be able to step into that spot and make plays. Uh, And then the other thing is thinking about the defense. And when you mentioned the safeties, I thought about this. It kind of ties in with Damone Clark. You know, you got to give credit to Dan Quinn for putting these guys in positions to make plays. And so with Damone Clark, who knows, maybe Dan Quinn finds a way to get him on the field in a certain package of of plays where best suits his skill set, where he can maybe, Uh, Go out and make plays from the linebacker position. You know, who knows? Maybe sideline to sideline. Maybe rushes them a little bit. Does just a variety of different things. You just, you have a defensive coordinator that you know and and trust has the ability to put guys in spots to make plays and have players play better than they have in other other spots and in, in previous seasons. And so that part makes it really exciting as well. Yeah, and KT, to your point about Trayvon Diggs, like I think, for me, he can be one. He can be one of the top corners in the NFL, and that's that's a product of both his talent level, but also like the NFL, where the NFL is on that too. Like, it, you know, if this was the era of like you know Revis and Sherman or something like that, then like you know, like undisputed to me that the type of cover corner that like you know Darrell Revis is like you like well, with all due respect to Trayvon Diggs, like you know, like, like we've talked about before, he's a ball hawk and all that kind of stuff, but he's not that type of corner. Um, but right now, like, I mean, like you said, you mentioned Jalen Ramsey. I mean, there's probably a handful of other guys, but there's not a lot of other guys that I would probably go and pick ahead of Trayvon Diggs right now in the NFL. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. John, I didn't know you were at the game yesterday. What was that like? Oh, it was it was fun, especially because uh, you know I went to one of the games in New York when the Cowboys were up there, and I think he had one hit in that game. And... And then I went to both games yesterday of the doubleheader in the first game. You know, he was just swinging a lot of first pitch stuff that made me think, eh, I don't think he's going to hit another home run. I think that he's going to end with uh, on 61. And then all of a sudden, you know, beginning of that night game, the roof's open. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. You could just, I mean, it's one of those where you know as soon as it comes off the bat, just how loud it was in the stadium, you would have thought the Rangers had just won to send them to the playoffs or something. I mean, it was crazy. And now there are a lot of Yankees fans over there, obviously. Sure. And there's a lot of people over there because of the historical side of it. But no, it was it was pretty cool. But when they did pull Aaron Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Judge in the second inning, I'll be honest, I left like maybe another inning later. I, I didn't need to see yeah. any more. I was, I was pretty much good. I was there just to see that. I was in right field, though. I mean, there was very small chance he was going to oh. get to right field, so... I definitely thought John was going to get it just because when he tweeted that he was there, it's like, like, you know, John just had, like, I knew judge was going to hit 62 because John was there (laughs) because like, he has this like weird, like he was at that Florida state game, which was absolutely insane earlier this year. And I'm just like, man, I know judge is going to do it when he's in that stadium. Well, I I was wondering if you were like going to track stat cast to like see (laughs) maneuver around and, Get like find out which seed is like the raises the probability of getting the ball. Well, so I mean, you can obviously look at his spray chart of where he's hit his home runs, and he is one of those guys that he'll hit some to right field, no, no doubt about it. Even though being a right-handed hitter, the chances are significant that he's going to hit him. It's going to hit it to left field. Now you don't even need to look at that stuff. You can just go on a like a seat geek. And just look at the difference in prices between sitting in right field and left field. I mean, it was significant. The guy that caught that ball probably paid several hundred dollars for that seat. You know, I went to both of those games and I paid 50 bucks each game, you know, and I was in like maybe the fifth row or whatever in in right field. But I was hoping he was going to actually be in right field, uh, which he was for the second game, but only for an, an inning because uh, he had been DHing throughout this yeah. entire run. So, but it still was cool because everybody was rooting for him to hit a home run, you know. Uh, because yeah. everybody wants to be there to witness hit history. And you know, so it's not like the Rangers are in position to make the playoffs or anything like yeah. that, where this loss would have just whatever. And they still, hey, the Rangers aren't winning the game. But I thought it was funny because Dak and Michael Gallup and uh, Micah Parsons were there sitting in Micah's suite. And uh, Micah was the only one that actually got to see it because, I mean, it's at the judge has been leading off. It starts the game. Dak was still in traffic. Gallup said he was in the bathroom. So <laughs> Micah was the only one that actually got to see it. Zeke was pretty funny. Zeke was pretty funny about it too because he was invited as well by Micah. And Zeke just went on for a few minutes about how much he hates driving out to Arlington. 
and, and I was <laughs> that's like, where they it was, play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it just he's like, unless I have a game out there, I'm not trying to drive out there. And I don't think it's that bad of a drive. You know, I live out pretty close to the star. Uh, Zeke probably lives, I don't know, 10 minutes north of me. And I don't know if you go at the right time, it isn't terrible. But as you get closer to the stadium, it is it is pretty rough, you know. But yeah, yeah. I'm it glad is- I went, though. I mean, it's even if you didn't hit a home run, it just to be there. I mean, I think they said that was the most tickets they've sold for a game so far at that Globe Life Field. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a great atmosphere, no doubt about it. But when that ball came off his bat and you just hear the crack of that bat, just how everyone started cheering. I guess I should have expected it, but I just felt because he was on the road that it wouldn't be quite as loud as it was, but everybody was just going nuts. Well, um, let's get our uh, picks in for uh, Cowboys and Rams. Looks like I've got John at three and one so far, just like the Cowboys. I'm two and two. Kent's two and two. Sod is one and one. Sod's two and two. Dang, John's got a one-game lead on us, guys. we got to get it together here. Rams, uh, a basic home game for the Cowboys at SoFi Stadium. 325, the old A-team. Big tradition here. Kevin Burkhart, <laughs> Greg Olson. Uh, you guys know the drill. Uh, I'll go first here. Rams, 22, Cowboys, 17. And that is five field goals for the Rams. Ooh. So the Cowboys bend, but they don't break. But... Unable to get, you know, you got to get close to 25 points, I think. And the Rams are a little different than the Commanders. I think they're going to have a pretty good game plan and be ready to go on Sunday. Uh, Let's go to you, Saad. All right, so this is one game, probably the only game this season, that I'm going to pick strictly based on vibes. No X's and O's, nothing. It's just I feel like based on everything, the circus that is the Dallas Cowboys – I just feel like they have to win this game so that there can be this entire controversy of a week of Cooper Rush versus Dak. And just based on that, just based on that debate, I'm picking the Cowboys to win. Um, I'm going to say 24-17. God, that is great logic. Seriously, that part that <laughs> makes me almost want to change my pick because that is, there is a lot of truth in what you just said there. It would be the most appropriate thing ever. Absolutely. Bef- before Eagles week, too. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, God, I'm second guessing myself now. How things happen like that for them is just incredible. So, well, we'll, we'll let John keep thinking about it since he's waffling. Let's go to Kent real quick. <laughs> I was going to waffle it a little bit, too. I'm going to go Rams. <laughs> That's what you did, Zod. <laughs> give me Rams 20, Cowboys 17. All right. The voice of reason prevails for Kent. You know, just look at it on paper. Uh, you know, maybe the Rams. Uh, John? Man, that sad thing threw me off because that does <laughs> sound like that. I fully expect that to happen now. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Rams 17, Cowboys 16. I'm gonna go two touchdowns and two two point conversions. So 17, 16. <laughs> Rams. The other thing, that other part that factors in with me too is that the Rams just haven't played well this season. I could see them being yeah. up for this game. Uh and I don't know. It's tough it's tough to to see Stafford one taking care of the ball enough because I wanted to say 24 or 27 for the Rams, but I just don't I I think he's going to turn the ball over a little bit. I think it's going to be difficult for him to stay healthy in this game. I just think they're going to get a lot of shots. I mean, even if it isn't the big sack numbers, I just think they're going to get to him a lot because he just is not that mobile. Out of the quarterbacks that they face, whether it's Wentz or Daniel Jones and even Burrow, they're more mobile than Stafford is. I mean, Stafford's probably closer to Tom Brady at, at you know where he is in terms of he just wants to be in that spot in the pocket. And, man, that's exactly what Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons want. But I'm going to go with the Rams just barely edging them out. I don't think the Cowboys would be able to do what Buffalo did to the Rams on opening night offensively, but defensively, I could see that. Sure. Like, that's the thing that wouldn't shock you, and that threw the Rams out of sorts when Von Miller was just on top of Matthew Stafford all night. Like, and that's what it could happen with Micah, if you want to say Tank, you know, whatever. Like, there's Dorrance Armstrong. Hell, it doesn't matter. That's the the thing – 
That's the thing that's so unique about this team and what makes me feel way better about it. What makes us all feel way better about it. It's just that could happen. And I don't think any of us would be shocked. And that was a 21 point game. And again, the Cooper Rush Cowboys are probably not putting up 31 points on anyone, especially if they didn't do it to the, to the commanders and giants. But that's the thing that Rams shaky offensive line. I feel like, I feel like it's more likely. I haven't thought, the, the spread, honestly, I thought would be a little tighter. Yeah, than, me too. Than what it's been. So, there it is. There are picks. Uh, three pick the Rams, one pick the Cowboys. We'll talk to you Sunday night. Uh, this is a 325 game, so talk to you after the game. John's going to L.A., going to go to SoFi, going to walk amongst the Hollywood stars. Uh, he might get his, a Hollywood star, actually. I know that's been... <laughs> Yeah, walk Covered of fame. on TMZ a little bit, you know. Uh, he's got Will Arnett there set to do the speech <laughs> to introduce him. His father, John, finally gets his Hollywood star. Um, God, that sounds good. I like that. There have been less relevant people get Hollywood stars than, than that's Father not John. True. So, yeah. That's not true. Yeah. Well, I wonder if Brian Cranston would do it. Do you think he would do a little speech for me? That would really yeah, mean a lot. I think so. Well, I, obviously, let's be honest. If, if we can get anybody, it's I want Steve Carell, but I know he's busy. He's too busy. You guys need to watch The Patient. Pretty good. Pretty good. Is it good. dark? Is it dark? Oh, yeah. It's so dark. Yeah. Are you talking it's about the one, the one where like, things I've ever like seen. he's like kidnapped or whatever and like some some guy like has him like locked up in his basement type thing? Yeah. It's not. Yeah, I'm all uh, set. It's not Michael Scott paper company episode. Yeah. Five, well, then I'm we're not dancing interested. in a room. Yeah. It's not yeah. that. At no, all. if it's a kidnap Michael Scott and it's a movie about how he escapes, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, First day, I'll be front different. row. Yeah. You gotta really use your imagination to get to. He's very gray and beardy in this one. Uh, but does he turn into Michael too. Scott and then an escape? Well, I haven't Michael seen yet. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, okay. Turns out he was a double agent. I might be back in now. All right. Father John Machota will be there uh, in, in LA getting his uh, Hollywood star on. Uh, Sod following the stars. We're getting moving on the star season, so make sure you're following Sod. And then, of course, our producer, Kent Garrison, who does so much and produces so many podcasts here at The Athletic. You can't even count them. He's actually getting his Damn. star at The Athletic you know, headquarters. <laughs> you know, putting that out there. So, um, my, my goal in I'm, life. <laughs> I'm KT. We'll talk to you Sunday night after the Cowboys take on the Rams here on About Them Cowboys. Cowboys.